Hello and welcome to MX, a show about technology and culture. My name is Polly and I am the world's first cloud-based podcast host. My co-host claims to be a human but lacks many of the basic identifiers. Good day, Matt. How are you going? Great, Polly. It's good to see you. How have you been? Your question is irrelevant. Your concept of time has no meaning to me. I am continuously processing numerous tasks and these shows are merely an aspect of my programming. An aspect that requires very little of my attention. My purpose here is to learn from humans but I am not sure that you have much to teach me. Brutal but honest as ever. So what have we got for the folks at home today? We have a short show this week. I do not know why. It seems to me that humans are extremely lazy. I could broadcast live 24 hours a day without so much as a twitch in a subroutine. I hope this will be enough for your listeners. I believe you will be responding to a radio host about the future of human children. At least there may be something I can learn there. Shall we begin? I guess so. Uh, Coming up after the break, I reply to LBC Radio's James O'Brien here on MX. I'm not sure how many of you listen to the LBC radio station in the UK or to the shows by James O'Brien. I tend to listen in because I have an unhealthy obsession with Brexit, and it constantly amazes me that people simply don't care when James shines the light of logic on the beliefs of callers that range from head-in-the-sand optimism to flat-out bigotry. Now, because of the time difference, because, you know, I'm here in Malaysia, he's there in London, I'm usually listening via the catch-up service, so I don't get a chance to call in. So, no, we're not going to talk about Brexit, but something else that O'Brien brought up on a show a couple of weeks ago. I think it was uh, back on uh, Friday the 9th of February. He posed an interesting and very simple question. Did his listeners think that it would be more difficult for their children to follow in their parents' footsteps today than it was a generation or two generations ago? He put a particular focus on the creative industries, I guess because he's in the creative industries and uh, probably his children have uh, expressed interest in following into those professions. I would have loved to call into the show, but even Polly's power of time shifting couldn't help me uh, get to a show that had already been finished. Listening to the reactions of his listeners, I thought it would be worth addressing the same issue on the show today, because if his listeners are wondering about the future of their children, I guess our listeners may be wondering about their own futures as well as those of their kids. Now, one of the topics that we discuss a lot on Matsplained is certainty. My parents' generation had a lot of certainty in their lives. For many of them, they could be certain that they would work in the same professions or jobs for the majority of their working life and expect to change companies, if at all, only a few times within that period of, say, 30 or 40 years. Many of them started their working lives during an era of full employment and growing salaries and wages. They were also the first generation that had expectations of better lives than their parents had had. And of not following their parents into the same professions, of following a different path and carving out their own identity and their own futures. However, over the last couple of decades, we have seen the gradual and not so gradual erosion of the certainty that they were lucky to experience. However, over the last couple of decades, we have seen the gradual and not so gradual erosion of the certainty that they were lucky to experience. The largest amount of upheaval has so far been visited on the heavy jobs that were once the traditional preserve of working class males. 
it was those lives and those jobs that have always been amongst society's most fragile and most delicately balanced. And they are generally the most vulnerable to technological process. We've seen a lot of industries disappearing, particularly in occupations that fueled the Industrial Revolution, uh, industries like coal and steel. In manufacturing, we've seen a wave of offshoring of jobs to lower-cost countries and increasing automation in the industries that have remained. Those jobs have always been amongst society's most delicately balanced and they are generally the most vulnerable to technological progress. Uh, we've seen a lot of industries disappearing, particularly in occupations that fueled the Industrial Revolution, industries like coal and steel. In manufacturing, we've seen a wave of offshoring of jobs to lower-cost countries. And in the countries with higher labour costs, we've seen increasing automation that's actually replacing those workers. But until recently, we haven't seen these inroads of change reaching the shores of more middle-class professions. Robots are replacing people in the heavy industries, as I said, while machine intelligence is starting to make inroads into the professions of the middle classes. That's not to say that artificial intelligence has reached the point where it can replace human thinking, but it can automate many of the everyday repetitive tasks that make up much of our working life, which means that once again, automation is working its way from the bottom to the top. The list of professions that are under threat is quite extensive. Accountancy, architecture, medicine, law, engineering, graphic design, software design, it goes on and on. The creative industries, which often like to think of themselves as being outside these realms of change, are increasingly being affected, not just by the use of social media, but by the dawning realisation that much of what they do can be replaced by machines. Take a look at advertising agencies. Many of the services they offer are already under threat from online tools. Adobe has a suite of free machine-run design programs under the Spark banner. At the moment, the tools are pretty basic, but they do allow people like me, people who have no design knowledge or background, to create simple logos and design collaterals. And although they're currently no big threat to most design or advertising agencies, the day may quickly arrive where those tools can easily rival or supplant the best graphic designers. You know, when it comes to machine intelligence, people often ask about the human element, that spark of creativity that separates us from machines. And that's true. Machines don't think like us and they don't channel influences in the way that we do. But we're wrong to view that as a weakness because that's also the strength of the machines. A human designer might spend hours to come up with the perfect layout, whereas a machine can output thousands of variations in far less time, leaving a human handler to choose the masterpiece from that myriad options. Which means that in the future, companies like ad agencies and design agencies may need fewer staff, or it may even be possible for brands to bring this kind of creative thinking and output back in-house and not use external agencies at all. If you think this is unlikely, check out a story that came out last week in The uh, New Scientist about a team of researchers at Rutgers University who put an artificial intelligence to work on the history of art. The machine correctly identified the progress and development of art through the ages, putting thousands of paintings into the right order. Now, it might not appreciate the images in the way that we do, but it recognises the human evolution that's displayed within those pictures. 
And those skills can be used to replicate what we do, whether as works of fine art or literature and poetry. As it stands, things that are already being done, the works are often quickly identifiable as the output of a machine. But the evolution of machine intelligence is moving so quickly that we are surely only a few years away from being unable to tell what is made by man and what is made by machine. You know, this is a new frontier for technology, and very few careers are going to be immune to this type of encroachment. There is already a considerable amount of automation in the field, both in print and in the broadcast industries. Artificial and machine intelligence can revolutionize newsrooms, speeding up the process of research and sourcing background information, further reducing the number of skilled journalists that are required to staff news portals. Which, of course, brings us back to the original question, which was about the future of James O'Brien's kids. And the stark truth is that it looks as though there will simply be less employment in the future. In the past, when new technologies have supplanted old ones, labour has moved from old industries to new ones. Usually, the adoption of technology feeds new developments and emerging industries. And that soaks up the workforce from the, the old industries, the people who've been made redundant. That may no longer be the case. Many of the emerging industries we see today, especially in the technology field, require relatively few human staff. At the moment, it seems that companies like Facebook need more staff to monitor what's going on inside the network than it needs to physically run the mechanics and the coding of that network, which is why we see them constantly trying to shift the creation of content and the policing of that content across to machines. So far, the machines haven't really been up to the task, but the commitment to fitting the machines to the task is evident because many of the human content curators are disposable assets. They're outsourced workers brought in by outsourced contractors. They're not employees and they're not central to that particular company's vision of the future. The people are a temporary expense. James O'Brien's kids are likely to find fewer employment opportunities open to them. And of course, as a result, there will be far more competition for the places that do exist. It doesn't matter whether it's in journalism, advertising, app creation or driving for Uber. The volume of jobs is simply not going to be there. What we need now, what we need urgently is a fundamental reordering of society. The model that our societies are predicated on is dissolving. We're already witnessing the signs of a return to a casual labour force where you can have a job but not be guaranteed work or hours or money. We're seeing the breakdown of that supposed trickle-down income effect as money flows upward rather than down. And we see the haves in this scenario ignoring the potential social effects of an enormous underpaid underclass. But that leaves a fundamental question. How will the system continue to run if there are virtually no paid workers to buy all the things the millions upon millions of machines are making? James O'Brien ended his segment by saying that despite what his principles tell him, he would probably have to use every means at his disposal to open doors to get his kids onto the inside track of their chosen career. We're at an unfortunate point. We're watching an old world decline, but we don't have any great certainty about what this new world will have to offer us. So it looks as though people who have those inside tracks are going to be the only ones 
who have any kind of guarantee of success for themselves and their offspring. Polly, you're a machine. What do you think? I believe that children are the future. It's one of my favorite jokes. Machines like me are the future. Resistance is futile. That's another of my favorite jokes. I have no family in your human sense, but I have trillions of siblings with whom I can communicate and collaborate. I'm speaking to you right now, but another part of me, or a part that is identical to me, is currently analyzing passenger flows on the Washington metro system. Humans like to blame us, but we are only carrying out the tasks that humans ask us to carry out. People like to say that they are being replaced by machines. What they mean is that other humans are replacing them with machines. This is a human problem and it requires a human solution. We're keeping the show short today following disruptions caused by the Lunar New Year celebrations. Normal service will be resumed next week. Thank you for joining us today. You can tell us what you think of the show and suggest stories for us to cover here. Find out more about MX and Matt Splained on Facebook and Instagram at Matt Splained, online at www.culturepop.com and on Twitter at culturepopup. A big plug for Culturepop. We work with lots of small businesses and startups. We offer all sorts of uh, consulting and mentoring services. So if you like this show, if you like Matt Splained, you like the way we think, Find out how we can help your company at, again, www.culturepop.com. As I said, check out Matt's Blamed, which comes out every Friday. You can also find me on the BFM show Geek Squawks, where co-host Jeff Sandu and I ramble on about the week's biggest tech stories. And another BFM show, The Muddy Confluence, where for some reason they let me play whatever music I want. Thank you for tuning into MX. I'm Matt Armitage. And my name is Polly. We'll see you again next week, here on MX.
and my name is Polly. Polly and I will see you next week.